Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. So if you would, remain standing and open your Bibles up to Proverbs chapter 23. And I'll be reading the entire chapter for us this morning as we prepare uh, to receive our weekly teaching from Pastor Bob in Proverbs. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you. And put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Do not overwork to be rich. Because of your own understanding, cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. The morsel you have eaten, you will vomit up and waste your pleasant words. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Do not remove the ancient landmark, nor enter the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is mighty. He will plead their cause against you. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice. Indeed, I myself, yes, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. For surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. Hear, my son, and be wise, and guide your heart in the way. Do not mix with wine-bibbers or with gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the truth and do not sell it, also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her who bore you rejoice. My son, give me your heart, and let your eyes observe my ways. For a harlot is a deep pit, and a seductress is a narrow well. She also lies in wait as for a victim, and increases the unfaithful among men. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things, and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, 
or one, like one who lies at the top of the mast, saying, They have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. Good morning. In the beginning, God created. And he created with great order. He created the heavens and the earth. He created light. He created the atmosphere. He created the seas and the land masses. He created vegetation. He created the sun, the moon, and the stars. He created the fish and the fowl. Oh, we went past me. The fish and the fowl. He created the land creatures. It did it again. I must have it on a uh, uh, one. He created mankind. So it's going to go forward. Let it go forward this time. So I must have it on a timer. That, see what happens when you cut and paste from previous weeks? God created. And God created in an orderly fashion. This is an important statement. Because God didn't create in disorder or in chaos. There was no God chose to begin things and leave evolution happen how it played out. There was a rhyme and a reason why God created. And the chief part of creation was then creating mankind. And when he created mankind, he created mankind in his own image, in his own likeness. Now note the things that God did when he created man. He made him his image. He made him in his likeness. Then he made him to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God made man second only unto himself to have dominion over the rest of creation. That's going to become important because of the second thing, or the third thing he's going to say. God blessed man and said to him, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, right? And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, every tree whose fruit yields seed, so it shall be for you for what? Food. I'm going to step back for a moment. Because, and I'm, I'm not a hug-a-tree kind of guy, okay? However, the reality is we need to acknowledge the fact of how God created things. We are a body, a soul, and a spirit. I firmly believe that. I, it's not a debate to me between whether we're trichotomous or dichotomous, and if those words mean anything to you, that's good, okay? But I firmly believe we're trichotomous, and I firmly believe it's rooted not only in the Scriptures, but in the Godhead himself, Okay? The body is that which relates to the earth. Plants, you look out the windows, you see the trees. They eat, they drink, they breathe. They have life. There is life in that tree. And so when we chop down a tree, this is going to sound like I'm a tree hugger, okay? I don't, so don't, don't take me too far in this one. When you chop down a tree, 
you are taking life. It's not murder. It's life. We are not only body, we're body and soul. Animals also eat, drink, and they breathe. They have life. But animals also have something that a tree doesn't have or vegetation does not have, and that is it has a, it has a soul. It is different from vegetation which God created. God created vegetation on day three. On day five, he created the fish and the fowl. On day six, he created the creeping things on the earth and all the beasts of the earth. Animals, and this I was pondering this this week and last week, the soul concept, nefesh is the, is the Hebrew word, that man has a nefesh, but man has ruach as well. We'll get to that in a moment. But all animals, and so Solomon was pondering this as well, in Ecclesiastes, and you know, said, "There's no difference. You know, we're just, just like animals. We're, we're going to die. You know, our soul's going to go into the dust." And so, animals communicate with one another. They, they, they're social. So they eat, they drink, they breathe. They have a body, but then they, they communicate. So when you go hunting, if you ever go hunting, you don't want the squirrels to be communicating with the rest of animal kingdom, right? Man is in the forest. Bambi, don't come into this area. Isn't it amazing to me that when I, when I go out to hunt deer, I see squirrel, but I don't see deer. When I go to hunt squirrel, I see deer, but I don't see squirrel. It's, I, I think there's this, this thing going on where they're, you know, they got, he's up the tree, he's up the tree. He's looking for you this time, you know. And so um, I don't know how they do it, but there's that communication thing going on. Birds communicate. I want the birds tweeting and communicating and singing and, and having a glorious time in my hunting zone. So that Bambi doesn't know that I'm up the tree. Animals have life. But they don't just have physical life. They also have social, if you would. They have a soul. They have a nefesh. Again, when you kill an animal, now it's not just life. But I want you to ponder this for a moment. Where is life at? When you, when you think Leviticus, life is in the blood. Animals have blood. And so when we then kill an animal, then it takes us a next step further. It's still not murder, but it is killing something with blood in it that has a soul. And that's why God, and I'm not getting into sacrifices today, but that's why then there has to be, with the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so prior to Christ, the ultimate lamb who would die for our sins, man was commanded to offer up a lamb, offer up a ram, a bullock, on be, in his behalf, in his stead, because of his sin. Something had to die, because the wages of sin is death. But God then created man in his own image and his own likeness. And he breathed into us the breath of life. And he gave man a spirit because God is a spirit. And we were made in his image and likeness. And we then have a spirit. So we are body, soul, and spirit. And so therefore, when we, someone kills a man, it becomes murder. Not just in the taking of a life but in the taking of one who was made in the image and likeness of God. Okay? Now, we're going to talk about food and drink today. Okay? 
But what I wanted you to see is that God created with a purpose and with an order. And before he ever made man, he made vegetation. In fact, he made vegetation before he made the animal life. Because what was the animal life going to eat? Vegetation. He was taken care of. So, in a sense, there is this, when we talk about the, the hierarchy of life and that kind of stuff, the fact is that even the animal life was eating what? Other life forms. Only it was the, something that was flesh, body. And so we read in 1 Corinthians 15, there is um, the glory of this flesh and the glory of this flesh. There is the glory of the terrestrial and glory of the celestial. And you can get into all those things. There's a lot in God's word regarding all the biology and the, 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 the life forms and stuff like that. And I don't have time today to go into that, but it's an amazing study. But to go into my thought about what I was thinking about, I've been thinking about this. Do you think, I mean, just how many dogs there are? I mean, so we're not even talking about animal or humans. How many dogs there are? And they all have a soul? And they're all what? They're all life, but they're all individual. I mean, we talk about it with humans, right? I mean, there's not another one just exactly like you. I mean, you could have an identical twin, you could have identical quadruplets, but you're all what? You're all different. Do you realize that dogs are the same way? You have eight in the same litter, but they're all different. And how many dogs there are? How many cats there are? How many mice there are? Do you know how many ants there are? I mean, I started thinking about it. Does an ant have a soul? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this is a real. I mean, this is really. I spend too much time on this stuff, maybe. Okay, but they're all the same. No, they're not. I mean, this is amazing. I mean, I mean I'm, it, to me, this is the magnitude of my God. He doesn't just know the number of hairs on my head. But he knows the number of hairs on everybody's head. You were sharing that a couple weeks ago, uh, Elijah. And I just made me think more and more, you know. But think about it. He knows the follicles on, on, on every ant. There's a lot of ants. But food and drink. God says at the end, I've given every green herb for food. Then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was what? Very good. God gave man something to eat. Life to kill, because he gave man the what? Dominion over it. Don't miss the concepts that are going on here. God gave man dominion so that man would have food, and it was very good. God designed man to need physical nutrients and sustenance. Does that make sense? There's a process that your body does that nobody wants to talk about. You don't find it in books. I comment about the G.A. Hinty books. You never have an outhouse. You never have, I mean, you know, all of a sudden this person can be in a barn hiding for 72 hours and there's no stink and smell. I mean, you just think that one through. I mean, it's just, there's natural processes that go on. And God designed those natural processes. Your body goes through this thing of eating and drinking and digesting and processing and, and extracting nutrients and putting them throughout your body, through the blood system, everything else. And I don't understand, but you could tell me more of it, Steve, right? And I mean, it is just a miracle thing to me how it all processes and then gets just rid of the waste. It just kind of dumps it. Core dump. Gone, you know? And you start the process what? All over again. In fact, it's going on throughout the entire, you know, we won't go into it. Anyways, so it's just an amazing thing to me. I mean, the, the way God designed 
our bodies. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And there is no part of it that isn't an amazing thing to me. I mean, I think of every little part of it, and I just think this is so incredible. God could have done it any way he chose to do it, and he chose to do it this way. And there's a reason why he chose to do it that way. Does that make sense? So he gave us food. Food is good. It's not just good. It's what? Very good. God said it's very good. This is very good. The problem is, in the very good, it becomes very bad. Because just another chapter and a half later, we see that the goodness of anything God creates, Satan loves to turn around and twist and use for evil. Do you realize it was food? It was food. It was simple fruit of some sort. I'm not going to tell you it was an apple. I'm not going to tell you it was a pomegranate. I don't know what it was. It's probably a green bean. And it, <laughs> they used to grow on trees, but God diminished the tree and made it into the stinking bush. Anyways, that's right. They, weren't, they, were, they were probably good before then. Anyways, anyways, but it was food. It was food which caused mankind to stumble and fall. Just a simple piece of fruit. It was a peach on the counter. It was a banana in the bowl. Cookies in the jar. Now we've got to stick to the fruit motif. <laughs> because if we would say cookies, a lot of moms would say, yeah, well, that's because they're not healthy. But so if we stick to the health part, okay? And that's where I want to stick to this. On, on, there was nothing, we would love to say, oh, you know, it was that kind of, ah, oh, it was, you know, it was, ah, you know. It was fruit. It was something that God had already said was what? Very good. This tree, though, they weren't a lot of touch. I get it. We're told that in Genesis chapter 2. That's the core of all this, right? God said, don't touch us, and this is what happens. The day of you, you surely die. But what I want you to understand at this moment, because this is going to play out in everything else we're going to talk about. This is where it plays out into life, okay? We don't have time to cover all those verses on your sheet. Don't worry about it. And so, but the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which Yahweh God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, he has said to you, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you what? Die. That fruit is what? Poisonous. It's poisonous. The fruit is poisonous. You eat of the fruit, you're going to what? You're going to die. So the serpent comes back and says, what? You will not surely die. God knows that's the best fruit there is. That's the first superfood. You eat of that fruit, and you know what happens? You become like God. Yeah, your eyes are going to be opened up, man. I mean, you're going to get it. You're going to know it. You're going to become just like God, and God doesn't want you to have it because it's for him. He's keeping that tree for himself. Now, I'm adding a little bit to that. But that's kind of the, the basic of, basis of the argument that's going on here. So the woman looks at the fruit. She looks at the fruit. She looks at it. And what does she see? She sees the tree. She sees the fruit. She says, it's good for what? It looks like the other f fruit. It, I mean, it looks like it would be good to eat. I mean, the first step is what? Looking. Okay, I was going to go another one, but you're right. The first one's looking. I always usually share that one because it's, it's lust of the eyes. But what's the second part? It's good for what? 
It's good for eating. It's good for food. I need to what? Eat. God designed me to what? Eat. He made for me to eat, to get sustenance, to get nutrients from. This looks like it would be what? Good for food. I mean, that's just a basic argument there. It may sound silly, but it's like, okay, I can eat this. I mean, haven't you looked at some things and you said, nah, I don't think so. I, I think I'll fast today. I'm, I'm good with fasting. I'm glad Marsha's not here right now. Anyways, you know, I, you know, I can make it the morning. You know, whatever, okay? But other times you look at the stuff that's there and you say, what? I'm feeling a little gluttonous today. You know, because this looks what? This looks really good, right? So it's good, and it was what? Pleasant to the eyes. This was really good looking. It's like, I don't know if you like bananas, you don't like bananas, but there are certain times when you look at a banana and a banana says, oh man, I need to eat that banana. Other times you can look at a banana and go, ah, I don't really want a banana. But sometimes, maybe with your potassium flow or whatever it is, you're looking at the banana and you're saying, that banana needs to be consumed right now. That is a good looking banana and it just needs to go. And so, desirable to make one wise. Yep, the first superfood. And she did what? She took it. She ate it. At that moment, food became what? Sin. Now, I get it. The food by itself wasn't what? Sin. But it was the allurement of the food that brought in sin. It was the lack of contentment with what God had already provided. It was the lack of self-control to deny myself from that which was forbidden to me to have. Why? Because it looked good. And it had an intrinsic promise, at least deceptively told to me, tied to it. Does that make sense? And that is what plays out throughout our culture today. So we want to look at this concept as we look at food and drink in the scriptures, <clears throat> and primarily here in the book of Proverbs. First of all, there's the importance of self-control. Why? Because of our weakness. And so I have all these verses on the back of my sheet. So um, you have them on your, on your sheet, but you don't have them printed out like I do. Okay? So you can try to, to move with me on this one, but I kind of knew that I was going to need to go a little faster, so I have them here, okay? So you can track with me a little bit if you can. First of all, because of our weakness, and I'm going to have four little segments here. I told Marsha, I felt like I'm, low, I'm just filming a dump truck today, and I'm just going to kind of dump. And I'm going to move a little bit, I'm going to dump some more, I'm going to move a little bit, I'm going to dump some more, I'm going to move a little bit, dump some more, okay? So this is the first of the, uh, the, the, the jettisons here, okay? So Proverbs 28, 21. To show partiality is not good. Why? Get the last half of this verse. Because for a piece of bread, a man will transgress. Because for a piece... You say, no, 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 I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't. Okay, maybe not. Maybe not right now. Because you have all and you are full. One of my favorite... I have never finished the book. I made it to like page 600... No, 900... Where did I make it to? Six, Les Miserables. You know how thick it is. Okay, I've made it to about a little over halfway, close to two-thirds into that thing. And I'm just kind of, for three years, it's been sitting on the shelf one day. I'd rather listen to the Focus on the Family radio drama version of it. It's a whole lot faster and a whole lot more exciting. But if you know Les Miserables, then you know the name Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean. 
And Jean Valjean was sent into the prison for, anybody know? Stealing a loaf of bread. And he was in prison for how long? Close, 19 years, 19 years. You don't, because you just listened to it a couple weeks ago with me. Okay, so you're close. How long ago did you listen to it? Or did you read the whole book? Okay. Okay, so a couple years. So you're good. So 19 years. 19 years for a loaf of bread. Now, actually, he wasn't there for 19 years for a loaf of bread. He tried to break out of prison a couple times, and it kept getting extended. Okay? However, for a loaf of bread, he's thrown in the jail, and he spends 19 years of his life because his family needed bread. Now, I understand it's just a novel. But when it was written, it was to represent society of the, of the time. When poverty gets really tight, what you value the most does come out. To show partiality is not good because for a piece of bread, a man will transgress. So maybe it's not a piece of bread for you. Is it a filet mignon? What is it? Is it is it spaghetti with Italian sausage with the green peppers cut up? You're saying yuck, so it's not yours, Tammy. It's okay. I say mmm. Now, I mean, I shared a couple weeks. I don't remember where I was sharing about the pilfering that I did. For me, it was just a what. A piece of bubble gum. Does it make sense? At that time. Food is one of the basic things. Now, today, we're becoming more and more with uh, materialism in our, in our land. But in most cultures, you get into a market situation, it's food that's stolen because they want to eat. And sometimes they want to eat something better than what they normally get. If all you're eating is rice and you see an orange, and all of a sudden an orange becomes very enticing to you. Because of our weakness. Proverbs 27, verse 7. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. If I was extremely hungry, even green beans would be desirable. No, that's a joke. I'll eat my green beans. But you get what I'm saying. If I had nothing else in the pantry but a can of green beans, I would be so excited about a can of green beans. If I had nothing else but there were green beans growing in the garden, I'd even go eat a raw green bean and be excited about it. You get it? Secondly, Proverbs 25, verses 27 to 28. It is not good to eat much honey, so to seek one's own glory is not glory. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. You know, I used to think about those two verses as being separated. Because when you read Proverbs, things seem to be, you know, like chunk, 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 chunk. But let me read them again. And I want you to think about these two things put together. It is not good to eat much honey, so to seek one's own glory is not glory. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. It is not good to eat what? 
too much honey. Did you ever go to Golden Corral? Or to the Grand Buffet? Or to any other buffet you want to, right? I don't go to them. And if we go, I purpose when I go in that I'm making one trip. Boy, is that loaded up, though. <laughs> Carry the look like a waiter coming back. No, no, just joking. Because I used to go to Golden Corral, and I used to feel awful when I left. I spent money to feel awful. Not like, oh, I feel really bad about myself. But physically felt awful because I had to eat everything that was on a buffet. I was going to get my money's worth out of it. A man who has no control is like a city that is, you know, the walls are broken down. Because the honey is what? It's sweet. It's good. It's delectable. Don't you want just what? A little bit more? And then you want what? Just a little bit more? I told you about that donut that, 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 I, I, um, that I overdosed on a couple years ago. Literally. I mean, because again, for those who don't know that I have that um, casein intolerance. And so, but I used to love donuts. Love them. Love them. Love them. I hate them now. Anyways, because they don't love me anymore. Anyways, but that's how it started. I had just a little bitty portion of it. And I said, what? Just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. All of a sudden, I ate that whole sour cream dunker donut. And the whole rest of the night, I couldn't breathe. And going into that asthmatic shock. And I don't know if you guys remember that. That was Tuesday night, because Wednesday night, I didn't come to church. I was still going through the whole process. I learned my lesson. I was a man without, how does it say it? I had no rule over my own spirit. I was like a city broken down without walls. Does it make sense? I couldn't say no to a stinking donut. I don't know how you feel about Golden Corrals and, the, and those buffets, but I promise you, make, this, make the decision before you walk in that you're going to eat a, a meal of moderation, that you're not going to get your money's worth. Because the minute you say you're getting your money's worth, you ate too much. Okay? Number three, Proverbs 23, 19 and 21. Hear my son and be wise and guide your heart in the way. Do not mix with wine bibbers or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will clothe the man with rags. Proverbs 28, verse 7. Whoever keeps the law is a discerning son, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. Now, we'll talk later, um, some further week, where about um, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harms. Okay? But this is the concept that's being played into here. If you hang out with gluttons, you will become what? Gluttonous. This is just a reality, okay? And so, why? Because of your weakness. Because, listen, there is no temptation that's overtaken me or troublesome situations overtaken me, but such is common to man. I get it. Hopefully you get it. You are not any better than any other person on the face of this earth. And you hang out with gluttonous people long enough and you'll become what? Gluttonous. Now, it may not be the first time. It may not be the second time. But eventually, if you decide to hang out with them, it's because you're deciding to become what? Gluttonous, too. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a fact, okay? A glutton or a wine-bibber. What's a wine-bibber? Someone who bibs wine. Okay, good. Okay, okay, we got that over with. So what's a wine-bibber? <laughs> a wine-drinker. A wine-over-drinker is really the idea of it. That he's an over-drinker, Okay. Not, so drinking a wine, and we're not going to go into drinking wine necessarily a lot today, okay? But the Bible doesn't say that drinking wine is evil, okay? We'll just go there right off the bat. Over-drinking of wine is evil. 
and that's this person. The overeating of food is evil. The overdrinking of wine is evil. Okay, and that's these people who are here. Okay. All right, Proverbs 23, 39, 35. Okay, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has contentions, who has complaints, who has wounds without cause? Remember, Chuck just read this portion a little bit, right? These are the ones who are mixing the wine and drinking the wine, right? And it, it says, um, and I love this portion, it says, verse 31, do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. Let me read it again. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. And when you, when you picture somebody looking at their wine, what do you picture at? They're, they're, they're looking at it, they're swirling it around, they're getting the smell, making sure that it's a what? It's a good wine. Wine has one thing in common with all wines. In the end, it what? It bites like a serpent. At the last, it bites like a serpent. It stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things, and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, or one who lies at the top of the mast, saying, They have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me. It is interesting to hear some of the stories from my cops, sons and sons-in-laws, of individuals who they've had encounters with. Okay? Because you become Superman. Does it make sense? Or you become really crying, sad, and everything else with the depression. You know, people always think it makes them happy, but it doesn't make you happy. In the end, it really makes you sad. It's just really kind of an amazing thing. So, because of our self lack of self-control, because of our weakness, we need to be careful of this. Secondly, because of its enlormment, which we alluded to earlier, Proverbs 23, verse 1 to 3, and then uh, verse 6 to 8. Again, Chuck read these where it says, when you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you. Put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. Now, you know who you are. Some people are more inclined to eat. Some people want to eat when they feel depressed. It helps to put it away. I know, I know, I knew, she's passed on now. I knew a woman who everything was okay if she had ice cream in her freezer. She never had ice cream grown up. So when she became an adult, it was a big deal to be able to eat ice cream and to be able to know to go to the freezer that there's still what? Ice cream there. And so, no, she wasn't like this, like you'd think someone eating ice cream every day was, but, but the fact is that that was for her. That was her... Um, she put this um, significance upon ice cream. There was an allurement. So if she would go to a grocery store, make sense? Because of that significance that's there, and she'd go into the frozen food section, she'd have to be careful of what? Ice cream. Because she could become a hoarder. Not of clothing, not of shoes, not of furniture, but of ice cream. Isn't that the weirdest thing? Okay? But there is an allurement to food. And so if you're one who is given to an appetite, again, I use the illustration of ice cream as just a little mundane thing. But you can kind of put yourself in there, right? If you got a hankering for jelly beans, or semi-sweet dark chocolate, or am I stepping on toes yet? Anyways, <laughs> the point is, you put your appetite in there. If you are a man given over to appetite, or a woman, then be careful. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. They are deceptive 
food. Did you ever get in the mail those free dinners? Bonefish, red lobster, all this kind of stuff. It's a free meal. Why not go? What a deal. You get a free fish dinner. Uh, they lost me on that one. I mean, if they'd offer me a T-bone or whatever, maybe you know, they might draw me in, but probably not. Why? Why do I know when I get that thing? What's going to happen? I'm, I'm going to have to listen to a sales pitch. I did that years ago when we were first married, but it wasn't a, for a, 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 a meal. It was for a free weekend. And I came out $15,000 Horror. Because I what? I gave in to the sales pitch, and I bought that 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 timeshare when timeshares were first coming together. And then I went up to seminary, and I had this shackle around my neck, which I had to pay for a maintenance fee every year. And I didn't even have the money to buy food for my family, but I had to pay this maintenance fee. And you know, I wound up selling it for one dollar, and I never got my one dollar. <laughs> I just had to get rid of it. I learned my lesson on the deceptive foods, the hard way. There's always a what? A string attached. If you're a man given over to appetite, verse 6 is to 8, do not eat the bread of a miser, do not desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. The morsel you have eaten, you will vomit up and waste your pleasant words. Food is used for fellowship. It's a beautiful thing. We're going to get ready to have that in just a little bit. But don't use, mince your words. Don't, don't flatter with your tongue. Sometimes it just kind of plays out. But this is the idea, is that the miser then, who doesn't really want to shear the food, but they really want something else. And so they're going to shear you the food. So ask yourself the question, invert this thing a little bit. When you take a meal to somebody, do you take a meal so you look good? Do you take a meal so that maybe you'll get a meal? Or do you take a meal because somebody has a need and there's no strings attached? No strings attached. You just want to be, on behalf of Christ, ministering to a brother or sister or a neighbor. It could be an ungodly neighbor, an ungodly neighbor, who that you want to minister to to bring Jesus Christ. No strings attached. I'm just going to give. Okay, so the importance of self-control because of its deception, um, because of lack of self-control, because of its allurement. Um, Proverbs 21, 17, he who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Okay, let's move on. The importance of contentment. This one is very important to me. The other, self-control is important as well. That goes without saying. We talk about gluttony. We talk about drunkards. We talk about things. We get it. Okay, that's all self-control. So before I get off of that, I want to make one last comment about that self-control part. When we look at um, drug addicts, you know, and, and we, we want to, or an alcoholic or whatever, it's easy to look down our nose at them. But the reality is, if you can't, if, if that old, old Lay's potato chip commercial, you can't just eat one, if that's true, you're in the exact same position. Judge not lest you be judged, and with what judgment you judge others should be measured unto you. Press down full, right? So the reality is, if you can't say no to something, you have a mastery by something. You cannot be brought under the mastery of anything. If you are brought under the mastery of anything, it's the same thing. It's a self-control issue. In the ninth of the fruit of the Spirit, starts off with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, right? The very final anchor self, uh, fruit of the Spirit is self-control. It's where it all ends. 
self-control. You know that God is the only one with perfect self-control? That Jesus, while he was on the earth, he was tempted in every way such as we are, yet he was without sin. Not because he was God and he couldn't sin, but because he was God and he wouldn't sin. Do you get? Because he had perfect self-control, you couldn't get him to sin. Not because he didn't have the ability to sin. Because he had the moral fortitude to always say no. Okay, satisfied with the provision of God. Proverbs 25, verse 16. Have you found honey? Eat only as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. Okay? So, be content with only what you need. You don't need more? Then don't eat more. Okay? It's a healthy thing. It's a health consciousness. Okay? Obesity runs rampant in our culture today. Why? Because we don't know when to say no to ourselves. Proverbs 24, verse 13 and 14. My son, eat honey because it is good. In the honeycomb, which is sweet to your taste, so shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul. If you have found it, there is a prospect, and your hope will not be cut off. Proverbs 13, 25 then says, The righteous eats to the satisfying of his soul, but the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. So, if you find honey, then what? Then eat it. Why? Because it's good. But only eat as much as you need. The righteous only takes to the satisfying, eats to the satisfying of the soul. But the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. When you first read that, it sounds like the stomach of the wicked is not going to have enough food. But that's not what it means. The righteous will eat to the satisfying of his soul. He eats, and then he says what? I'm good. But the wicked says what? I want more. He's always what? In want. Because he always wants just a little bit more. Okay? And so then Ecclesiastes 10 to 17, it's up there for you. Blessed are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobles, and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Think about that. Blessed are you, O land, when your leaders, when your leaders, when your king is the son of the nobles, and your princes feast at the proper time for strength, not for drunkenness. The word feast there really is the word to eat. It, it doesn't necessarily mean to feast right there. It just means to eat. They eat at the proper time. When they're eating, they're eating to do what? To get themselves strength, health. They're not eating for drunkenness. So again, I have to ask myself the question. When I eat, am I eating, focusing on my nourishment of my body, or when I eat, Am I focusing on the lust of my flesh? Do you get it? Okay. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. These are not of the Father, but of the, the world, right? And so, these are the three forms of sin that are there. And so, when I am giving myself over to the lust of the flesh, then I'm not giving myself over to the love of God. Okay. Um, where am I at? Okay, next grouping. Proverbs 30, verse 7 and 9. This comes from right below uh, David's um, words where he was teaching from the, the words of Eger, the son of Jecha. And so, Jecha. And so, 
these are um, precious verses to me. Um, it's, a, it's a prayer of mine um, that I've prayed for many, many years. And God has answered my prayer on it, and I just really rejoice in them. Two things I request of you, Yahweh. Deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is Yahweh? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Do you realize that you bear a testimony to the provision of God even with your eating? Your thankfulness for his provision or for your unthankfulness for what you don't have? Give me just enough. Not too much that I forget about you and deny you. Who's Yahweh? I did this myself. I have earned all this myself. I'll eat whatever I want to eat today because I can buy it myself. Or lest I be poor and I steal. Remember, because for a, a piece of bread, men will, will uh, say again, sin, but it wasn't sin, but anyways, do iniquity. What was it? Transgress. Thank you. Transgress. Lest I become poor and I steal and profane the name of my God. I don't want my life to profane the name of God. I get it. I, there's so many things in my life that bear bad witness and that I want God to continually work on. But this one's pretty simple. It's food. Marsha laughs at me sometimes. You know, eating is a biological process. And now I didn't start this off the, the message like that, okay? But that's a true statement, okay? Eating is just a biological process. Aren't you glad that God gave you taste buds too to go along with it? Make sense? Because it's just a biological process. I mean, you have to eat. You, you will eat. My dog will eat because this is the same. But I promise you my dog even likes certain things over other things. Make sense? Because taste buds. It's that part of it, though, that we've got to become careful of because then we start to look at that part rather than just the sustenance that God originally gave it to us for. Philippians 4, 10 to 14, Paul says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, though you did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound everywhere in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Can anybody tell me what the next line is? Good job, Steve. That's exactly right. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And again, memorizing the book of Philippians, I, this one just kind of sat there with me. Because we talk about, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But that passage, that verse, literally is tied to the fact of eating. I know how to exist. I know how to be content, whether I have a lot or whether I have nothing. My contentment comes in my focus on Christ. If your focus is on food, if your focus is on a house, if your focus is on anything else, you will become discontent. You just will. But if your focus is on Christ, 
than even if you're eating a bowl of grits with no butter. It'll still be all right. <laughs> That's right. It, it would speak to you. Even if you're eating a bowl of cream of wheats. Ah, there we go. Now we're talking, okay? So if you're, even if I'm eating a bowl of grits with green beans thrown in. Anyways, so although I've been down here long enough that I eat grits now. I'm even making them my own. Anyways, but the fact is that I can be content in all these things. Proverbs 17, verse 1. Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a f- house full of feasting. It's strife. I don't need, have time to go into Daniel, but you know the, the situation with Daniel, right? Daniel 1, when he and his friends go um, into Babylon, and they're going to be um, wise men, and they're going to be fed with the best of the foods in all Babylon. How do I know that they're going to be fed with the best of the foods from Babylon? The king's food. It's going to come right from the king's table. And they are going to get a portion of the best food that there is because the king wants to make sure that they are fed well. What was wrong with the food? And don't tell me that Daniel was a vegetarian. That is so untrue from that passage. Okay? So I heard somebody tell me that. It was what? It wasn't kosher. It was unclean. That meat was offered unto false idols. He couldn't eat the meat because it was unclean meat. And he didn't want to defile himself. That's what it literally says. They didn't want to defile themselves. They purpose in their heart. They didn't want to defile themselves with the king's meat. And so they asked if they could only have vegetables. I mean, that's a real test of my spirituality at that moment, you know? Can I become a vegetarian? This is what I really want at this moment. I mean, this is, it is a God moment. Does that make sense? And so God worked it out, and it was a miraculous thing that they actually looked better than people who were eating meat. So don't take it out of context, okay? There's a lot of people who take that passage out of context, and you can't, don't do it. I mean, there's a lot of things. You can go back to Genesis 1 and say, God designed man to be a vegetarian. Okay, you could, you could probably stand there and hold that at one. But then I'm going to go to Noah and say, well, look, he now he allowed him to eat meat. So anyways, so, so we can debate on all that kind of stuff. But let's not take verses out of context, okay? But the point of all this is that Daniel was satisfied with the what? Provision of God. What was going to be the provision of God for Daniel? Vegetables. Probably even pureed vegetables. I mean, the way the wording there is kind of like, mm, I'm not quite sure even if there was just like they had a salad. Make sense? That there was just certain things. So the, the point is that they were going to be content with whatever God provided them in the moment. In fact, they were so content that they said no to the Golden Corral. Does it make sense? Keep your golden corral. I'll have my Wheaties instead. Thank you very much. Make sense? That's kind of an interesting statement that's playing out there. Satisfied then with the pursuit of God. Matthew 6, 31 and 33. Seek first the what? Kingdom of God and all these things, right? Do you know what, the, the, again, the, the context of that is? When it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things are added to you. It says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all, after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. Therefore, seek first the kingdom of God. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, 
We focus so much about that. We're getting ready to have... I don't know how much time you spent worrying about what you're bringing for the covered dish dinner today. Sometimes I think we spend too much time worrying about it. Now, if it's a matter I want to minister to other people, okay, I get it. I'm not trying to diminish certain people's gifts. But sometimes I think we over-focus on it. I think of Martha, who, who was so worried and, and busy with, with serving, and she went to Jesus and said, Mary's not helping! You know, tell Mary that she needs to come and, and serve with me. And he says, Martha, Martha, you're worried about too many things. Look, there's only one thing that's most important. And Mary has chosen it. And it's not to be taken away from her. Sometimes I think we worry too much about the preparations of food and drink. Okay? Um, Move on. Proverbs 9, verse 1 to 6. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. She has sent out her maiden. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live. Go in the way of understanding. Wisdom says, Come and what? Eat and drink from what I have prepared. Drink of my wine. Ephesians 5 says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, um, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with wine. So wisdom cries out, Come and eat of my food and drink of my wine. Right? And then we're told that wisdom, part of wisdom then, is not being drunk with what? Wine. But rather being filled with the Spirit. You are going to be led by something. Romans 6 is very clear. You're going to be a slave to something. You're either a slave to God or a slave to your flesh. Same concept being played out. What do you want to be led with? Wisdom says, come, eat, come, come, come to me and eat. Come to me and drink. Take, take part of what is, what is here. Proverbs 15, verses 16 to 17. Better is a little with the fear of Yahweh than great treasure with trouble. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. I want to end with this passage here. Turn with me here, okay? We're going to go to John 6. John chapter 6. And I want to read these selected verses, okay? John 6, beginning verse 26. Jesus answered them, that is the crowd who was following them, and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, remember the signs he was doing, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. This is the 5,000 that he he did the miracle and fed. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which is endures to everlasting life. The Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Drop down to verse 32. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. They're still thinking physical. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Drop down to verse 47. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. 
This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus is the ultimate superfood. You want everlasting life? You want to live forever? You want to eat? You want to, to have a healthy life? Eat Jesus. Eat his flesh. Drink his blood. That's what he said. What happened when he said these things? A lot of people turned around and left. They couldn't get it. Most. And he turned to others. Aren't you guys going to know? He said, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. It has got to be that you are so consumed with Jesus. David says in Psalm 63, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. I long for thee as in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. I was working on deck just a little bit yesterday, but I waited till I was done with the message and everything. So it was in the middle of the afternoon. Best time of the day to go out and start digging holes and, and using a pickaxe. And in the morning time, my shirt already... I, I used to look at guys like this and I go, I don't get, I don't get it. But as I'm getting older, my, my shirt is just... You know, like my light gray shirt is now... a like a really, really dark gray shirt because it's just so, I mean, you could wring it out and stuff like that. So you can imagine what it's like if it's like that in the morning, what it was like yesterday afternoon. And I get it. I mean, I had just a little bit of food for supper. I drank from 3 o'clock in the afternoon till 10 o'clock at night. Not, I got to be careful what I say, drinking. <laughs> I, I cut myself once and I went and, and I said, my, and they said, how'd you do that? I said, well, I was cutting a log and my daughter brought me a, a drink and, I, and, it, and it skipped and it, it cut across it. Well, I went in later to take out the stitches and everything. They were talking about the Baptist preacher who was drinking a beer and I said, no, 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 you got it wrong. But she brought me water. She brought, so for now on, I got to learn. I can't just say a drink because the minute I say drink, people think, oh, I got alcohol. Anyways, so I drank Powerade and juice water and and what else did we have last night? No, you made me a smoothie because it was good with fruit and stuff. Anyways, health food, brother. Not a superfood, but health food. Anyways, so, but the point is, that's what it's got to be with Jesus. That I just want to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. I want to consume him and have him be a part of me. Garbage in, 
garbage out. Jesus in, Jesus out. Do you get it? You are what you eat. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You want to be satiated? This is it. It's all here. Physical food is a distraction. It's got a purpose. I'm glad God made it good to eat. Tastes good. But that's part of the temptation. That's part of the troubling situation. That's part of the trial that you're walking through. Will it consume you? Or will it be a toll to serve the kingdom? Let's pray. Father, oh, I've got to go through my... Let's pray in just a moment. How do you view food, food and drink? How do you, con- do you consider physical food as a gift from God to sustain your body? Which is a greater priority in your life based upon your schedule, spiritual nourishment or physical nourishment? Is there a need to change the way you think and change the way you act? Now we can pray. Father, I am so grateful to you that you have given us the ultimate bread of life, yourself. That from the beginning, Lord, how you created, you created with an order, you created with a purpose, you created with a design. And Lord, we know that before you even laid the foundations of the world, that it was already determined that Christ would come and die for us. That you would come and offer yourself as that living sacrifice. To pay the penalty of our sins. Lord, help us to desire to be a living sacrifice. Following in your example. And not being tied to the things of this world, but rather looking to your kingdom and your righteousness. Not worrying about our food and our drink. Not worrying about the sustenance. Rejoicing in what you've done for us. But whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, Lord, that we would do it to your glory, for your glory, for your namesake. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.